You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Christmas Present. Very interesting word, the word present. And by the time we get done, you realize it's not just, it's the same word, but it says a bunch of stuff. And we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you will go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, we're going to see, first of all, that Christmas was pre-sent. Pre-sent. This thing we celebrate at Christmas was not a last-minute, figure-it-out, fix-the-problem kind of deal. You think, well, God created the universe, creates vegetation, creates man, woman from the man, they screw up, and then you think, well, maybe in heaven they went, oh my gosh, we're in trouble, we gotta fix this. They knew they were gonna have this problem before the foundation of the world, literally. Before anything was created, they knew that Adam would screw up, that Adam and Eve would be kicked out of that garden and they would need a savior. So this is not some last minute remedy. And if you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, he says, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So it literally talks about Jesus foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifest in these last times. So what happened at Christmas? He was manifest, he showed up. Go to Revelation chapter 13, last book in the Bible, far right. Another way, just in the spot where this is outlined. Revelation 13 verse eight. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And this is very fascinating because there are people in this room, some of you listening beyond here, wherever you may be, and you say, well, I don't believe, so I won't worship. Let me tell you something, you will worship. The book says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You say, well, I'm not gonna do that. You may not do it in this life, but you will do it in the next life. I highly recommend doing it on this side before you have to do it on the other side. You say, well, if I wait till the other side, then I'm gonna make heaven anyway. No, you won't. Because if there's some way for you to make heaven apart from Jesus, then why would God have wasted his own son, sent him down here if there was some other way? I used to believe this, people would say that all roads lead to God, and I'd say, no, that's not true. I've changed my mind on that. All roads do lead to God, but not all roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to God. You will face an almighty God, but without Christ in your life, you will face him alone. I had a conversation just a few days ago, a couple of these conversations, one with a guy and one with a young woman. And in both cases, I didn't get the impression that they were unwilling to believe. I just think they didn't know how to believe or what to believe or how to go about accepting that Christmas present. And I'll talk about that in just a little bit. The other way that Christmas, you see the word present, but it's the word present. And if you'll turn to Isaiah chapter nine, we'll see how the Bible begins to present 
Christmas, Isaiah 9, verse 6. So Old Testament. Now this is hundreds of years before Christ is born, conceived of the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary. And sometimes you lose people on that. People go, whatever, dude, no virgins having a baby. If you're going to believe that there's a God, then having a virgin conceive is not really a big deal. If he can create the universe, why can't he have a virgin conceive and God be born of that virgin? Be careful where you break down and say that's not possible. Because if all those things aren't possible, then your salvation may not be possible either. You say, well, how could God forgive me of my sin? There's an answer to that, but if you start by saying, I don't believe anything, then you're gonna have a hard time when you get to your need and you're needing hope and an answer for your own sin and a need for your own salvation from a real hell, from a real separation from God for eternity. So Isaiah 9 verse six says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called And you say, well, before this, a child is born, a son is given. Okay, so child is born, a son is given. A lot of children were born, a lot of sons were given. But when you start giving him names like this, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are not names you'd give just to anybody. Mighty God, you don't give to anybody but Mighty God. And that's who Jesus is, and that's what was foretold, that this child would come. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now go to Matthew chapter 2, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first one. Matthew chapter 2, let's jump in here at verse 1. This one is after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And then look at verse, the next phrase, for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So literally the stars, Christmas pre-sent, the stars to announce the birth of this king. And I don't know of anywhere in history where literally the universe screams out. You say, well, how could stars literally proclaim that a king had been born? If you wind the universe back and look at the stars during that time, it is clear that something happened in the heavenlies. And what happened caused wise men, these men who watched the stars to say, a king has been born, we're going to follow that star. And they got to Jerusalem, said, where is this king? And everybody finally told him in Bethlehem. So they go to Bethlehem and they find this child at this point. He was not a newborn. And literally these stars pre-sent to announce Christmas that he was coming. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to start here in verse 1 as well. And here is where Christmas is presented. Not a present, but a present to the shepherds of all people. Luke chapter two, verse one. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed 
for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, and why? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. So how would they know which baby? Nobody's got a baby wrapped in cloths, swaddling cloths, lying in some stable manger. Not hard to find Jesus. And as we've already discussed, he's referred to as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What a better place for a lamb to end up than in a stable. So he's announced to who? To the shepherds. I think every once in a while people think, well, you know, Christmas, all these things, the good stuff is only for the rich people, the smart people. You don't get much lower than a bunch of shepherds. But that's who he chose. That's who the angels, that's who God sent the angels to announce the birth of this king. And verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, then what do they do? The angels announce it to them, but then the shepherds go and do what? They present this Christ to the world. They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So Jesus is presented by the angels and then even by the shepherds to the world. Now go to John chapter four. John chapter four, New Testament. And here we're gonna talk about Christmas presents. I'm at a place in my life where my family says, dad, what do you want for Christmas? And I gotta make stuff up. I'm trying to get rid of stuff. I'm trying to give things away. I don't need anything. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. With little kids, you know, I'm not saying kids don't like stuff when they get older, but at some point you're just making stuff up unless they really do need basic necessities. I mentioned some conversations I had recently, one with a man and one with a girl. I usually will take off my watch when I tell this story. And I'm amazed at how many people go to churches and hear messages and still do not understand what this is about. You should not be going to a church gathering. You should not be listening to sermons. You should not be engrossed in a religious or a spiritual pursuit and not find the answer you are looking for sooner or later. In one of these conversations with this young woman, I asked her a simple question. I said, if you died sitting right there, where would you go? And she honestly said, I hope I'd go to heaven. I could tell she really wasn't sure. And I usually at that point explain to somebody that I don't mean it in a cocky way, but literally standing right here, if I have a massive heart attack, I sure hope this didn't happen. It'd be very effective if it did, but not good for, <laughs> not good for my family and somebody would have to bring me back. But let's say I just keeled over of a heart attack and I'm dead. I promise you over 100%, I would be in heaven just like that. 
You say, well, that's cocky, that's arrogant, that's prideful. It has nothing to do with me. It's all about him. So if God's handing out gifts and you say, I'm in, I'll take one of your gifts, and you take the gift and someone else goes, nah, I don't need your gift, and they pass on it and they don't make heaven, you go, well, whose fault is that? It's on the recipient end, not on the giver end. Now, a lot of people don't understand the simplicity of it. And in this case, the conversation I had with this young woman, she somewhere along the way had gotten the impression that it was about payment. You say, well, people don't use those words, but it's about doing something. I'm gonna perform, I'm gonna do something. And so my good deeds are gonna be some kind of payment. And yeah, maybe Jesus made a down payment, but I gotta make the rest of the payments and then we all together get me in. But that doesn't sound like anything you read in the Bible. Now, what I usually will do, and I'm literally doing this today for the sake of the people in this room who may not have an answer to this, and for the sake of people beyond here. I looked at both of these people two days in a row, and I took my watch off, and I said, I'm gonna, this watch is mine. If I told you it was a gift to me, it's mine, I can do what I want to with it, but I want you to have this watch. I'm gonna give you this watch as a present. If I tell you it's yours, is it yours? And both eventually said, okay, it's mine. So then I went back and I said, okay, so God comes along and says, look, I love you, and I want you to spend eternity with me in heaven, but we got a problem, it's your sin. But my son Jesus died on a cross, was buried and raised from the dead to pay for eternal life, which he offers you as a free gift. If he tells you it's yours, is it yours? You say, well, it is. Then I went back with both of them and I said, okay, let's go back to my watch. I've told you it's yours. What's missing in our transaction? What's missing in the transaction? I still have the watch. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God, the sons of God. So you say, well, I believe the story, then receive the story. Now listen to me. If you have not transacted that with God, you're not gonna make it. And you say, but I'm right there, I'm willing. Then do it. Okay, so let's do this right now. Everybody, if you wanna close your eyes, fine. If you don't, you don't have to. But here's how simple this is. It is a simple prayer. I cannot pray this for you. I can pray through it with you. But you literally can pray a simple prayer and receive the gift of eternal life and God go from being everywhere to being inside you and being 100% positive that if you died, you'd be in heaven with him forever. So if you're interested in that, it's that simple and you can do it right now. Father, I thank you for the people listening right now who have never made this transaction. They understand that the gift is offered. They understand that sin is what caused your death and your willingness to come here, born of a virgin, live a sinless life, die on the cross, be buried and raised from the dead to pay for our sin in order to offer us this gift, this priceless gift of eternal life that you bought with your own life and blood. So I pray, Lord, for someone who would simply say to you, dear God, I know that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead to pay for my sin. I accept right now his payment for my sin. I accept the gift of eternal life that you offer free of charge. And I ask you to come live in me and through me and change me from the inside out. Thank you for loving me and that now it is not just something I believe in with my head, but that I've received into my heart and life. 
and that I am yours and you are mine forever. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, so you say, and this is what I get a ton, you say, it can't be that simple. And I always come back with this, simple for who? That was simple. If you just prayed a simple prayer like that, you say, well, my whole life has been changed. But what did it take to get you there? It took God sending his son, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, had to be willing to come, knowing that we would sin and screw up, knowing you would need him, and knowing that you would have some trouble with that simplicity of the gift and just either take it and say thank you or no thank you. Next verse. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you say, well, then, does it matter if I do the right thing or good things? Doing good is never bad. It's just never going to be good enough. If you're trying to be good so that God will accept you and take you into heaven one day, that's not in the scripture. Now, once you accept this gift and let him move in and live in you and through you, now your life changes. Yes, you do different things, better things, hopefully, and some good things. But the good things are not going to get you in because then you feel like you're making payment for a gift and it's not possible. The other way that Christmas present can be taken is he is with us right here. And another way the present can be taken is do it in the present So you say, well, how do you know that he is present, that Christmas is present? This is the wild card of wild cards and the distinct advantage that a Christian pastor has is someone called the Holy Spirit. If there's nothing to anything of this, the gospel, Jesus dying, buried, raised from the dead, then what is going on inside your head and inside your heart that you can't explain? You say, how do you know what's going on in my head or in my heart? Maybe not happening today, but if it is, I can tell you why, because God himself is trying to communicate with you. And I go back, I was sitting on the front row of a little church as a kid, and I remember hearing the gospel as a young boy and being very aware in a very simplistic way that there were two forces pulling on me. One side was saying, you don't need this, simple little words, get away from this, don't pay attention to this. But on the other side was someone else saying, it's me. I didn't hear audible voices, but I can assure you, I felt like my little body, my little boy body was being torn apart and two people, two forces were fighting over me. And I knew in that moment I had to make a decision and that someone wished me ill, but someone wished me really good stuff. And I realized one had to be God and one was the enemy. And I literally stood up on that front row and gave my life to Christ and accepted his life in my behalf. You say, you're just a kid. How could you understand that? One of my girls told me about a conversation a friend of her, a mom, and her two-year-old had. And the two-year-old's learning scripture, smart little kid, and already asking about where everyone will be. Is everybody going to make heaven? So you say, well, they're too young. Seems like we're never too young to sin. Probably not too young to get saved. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Matthew 18, 20 says this. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. One thing I never doubt is that Jesus shows up when we gather. You say, well, where is he? Look around. This is his body. You say, well, it looks like he's got some warts on his body. I know we're not all perfect, but you might be one of those people he's working on. 
You say, well, I don't want to be a part of anything like this. What exactly are you a part of then? Who are you running with? Where is that getting you? Are they all perfect people? Oh, you found a perfect group of people to run with that don't screw up, don't do anything wrong. And so that's why you don't want to be a part of a church or God or any of his people. I know some young people right now, some particularly in their 20s, it's getting old fast. They're running hard. They're doing what the world says, sex, some drugs, alcohol. They're running hard, having a good time, fast lane. Do you know what happens in that fast lane? It don't work out in that fast lane because it ends up empty. You say, oh, no, I'm having fun. I end up with all the fun people in my office by themselves when the fun runs out. And it's not very fun when the consequences come crashing in because you thought you were doing the drugs and now the drugs are doing you. You thought you were doing the alcohol, now the alcohol is doing you. You thought you were doing the women, now the women are doing you. You thought money was the answer and there's not enough money some position, some place. I hate to tell you, and my prayer would be you don't burn up your whole life chasing a bunch of stuff that'll never fix it. The only thing that ever fixed anything for me is one man, and his sweet name is Jesus. You say, well, I don't need that. All I can tell you is you will. And I understand on a day like this, whether you're in the room or listening somewhere else, you go, well, I don't care about that. You know, it's kind of a la, 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 finger in your ears. I'm not listening anymore. I would recommend that you listen if for no other reason to tuck it away because one day when you're out there way far away where you think nobody cares, you might remember somebody cared enough to warn you, to love you, to encourage you to do something about this Jesus because it can get pretty dark and not a bad thing when the light of the world shows up in the dark. There's some verses in Hebrews that talk about what I'll call Christmas present right now. And they're simple phrases. One of them in Hebrews chapter three, verse seven, just listen, says this, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. And then if you go later in that chapter, verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. And then down in verse 15, today, if you will hear his voice. And again in Hebrews chapter four, verse seven, today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You say, well, my heart's not hard. And why is he having such a hard time getting through to your heart? I've locked up on him before myself. I'm going to prove that I can do it by myself. I don't need your help. I don't need you telling me what to do. I can figure it out. you got to be somebody pretty special to not need God. You're all that. You say, well, I'll do it later. I've already said later's not the word. Today is the word. Today. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. 
And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. Jesus was pre-sent to present as a present eternal and abundant life to those who are present in the present and those beyond this place and those to whom he is presented in the future. You want to give yourself a Christmas present? Give yourself Jesus. You want to give somebody else a great Christmas present? Give them Jesus. I told the young woman who happens to be in this room today, I told her after we had this conversation, three of us sitting there, and she prayed a simple prayer and accepted the gift. And I said to her, if for some reason God has kept me alive for this moment, and after this I'm out of here, it was worth living through today. Because I literally sat and watched a young woman who wasn't unwilling, who just didn't know how. And her friend got up and went to the bathroom, and she said to me, no one ever explained it like this before. If you are a Christian, you have the authority, the power, if you're just willing to present Christmas as a present. You have no idea how many people just don't know how, they don't know where to go. And they are surrounded by us every day. And there is no greater gift ever purchased or that could ever be received than this Christmas present of Jesus. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.